There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson, and this week, once again, remotely, I've got Erin Sorensen joining me. She's in Omaha. Erin, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Yes, I am in Omaha. It is where I live. And, it's, and it snowed there, and it, it snowed here in Lincoln, and I just would like to say, off the cuff, having to go from a beach climate to this in the span of a week is borderline criminal. I just want to say I don't feel bad for you because I haven't come from a beach. So at least be grateful you've been near a beach. So I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> I texted a picture of the roof of my car. So I, I had, we, I mean, when we were um, like, I had my window open in my office last night, and so I saw that there was like some freezing rain falling down. But I had no idea that I was going to wake up to snow this morning. And it's not there's not like a ton of snow on the ground. There's not like complete coverage. I can still see grass. It's not a dusting, but it's also not complete coverage. Uh, but I took a picture of the roof of my car, sent it to my family in this group text that we have, and my dad's response was uh, "last remnants of winter," and it filled me with such an irrational rage. I was like, "This is April." We shouldn't be getting this still. So, yep. but it's whatever, I guess. The, uh, the earth is trying to kill us. It's just apparently um, yeah. what is mm-hmm. happening. Um, so we're going to talk about football in a little bit. We're going yep. to talk about kind of what the season might look like, in, both in terms of structure and in terms of how good anybody's actually going to be. We'll get into that in a little bit, but... The first thing that I want to talk about is not sports related. I gave you some homework to come on this mm-hmm. podcast and said that, that I wanted to uh, get from our, our resident food foodie, food critic, foodie, um, a food bracket from you. for and, and I opened yours up to Lincoln and Omaha. I have I don't have a bracket. I just have a list of eight. Uh, oh, so you didn't even do the homework. You just well, kind of I, half did the like, homework. I can't do, like, it would be irresponsible of me to make a bracket after i've only lived here for two and a half years i mean i don't think i can see these restaurants and there are a handful of them that i've like i consider myself a a food person but there are a handful of them that i just haven't gone to and so i don't like it would it would be like i said irresponsible of me to seed these restaurants because like there's a 99.9 percent chance that i would seed them and then you would judge me, and then people that are listening would yell at me because I seated them wrong. So, oh, I, I, told, you... I told Greg what we were doing, and he basically was like preemptively ready to judge you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you seated yours, 
We're not doing 64, 32. We don't have enough time for that. Maybe if you want to like make your own bracket and tell people to vote on it, maybe that's something that you could do. Twitter content for you. You're welcome. Uh, but you have eight. I told you to start with an elite eight and then work your way up from there. So you're... They're not your elite eight matchups. Like, what are the eight places that you have? And like I said, you have Lincoln and you have Omaha restaurants available to you. Uh, so I, so first let me, I'm pulling up my, uh, I just wrote like basically an email to myself. Um, I do want to say I have some honorable mentions that I just think are important to mention. And one is the Kathmandu Momo station, which uh, if people haven't had like Nepal style dumplings are really really good um three happiness chinese unfortunately is closed right now they had a fire uh that they are working to hopefully reopen soon and i'm sure this has just been a very like tough time for them and then the dundee dell which is like some of the best fish and chips around i did not see them but if like we went into like a bigger bracket they would have easily been like my you know i should have done like my first four out but anyway um I decided to break them down into like categories because I was trying to think of like how to make some of them compare against each other. So I did early bird, which is a um, breakfast brunch place. Um, They have two locations. I don't know if the second one's opened yet. Saddle Creek breakfast club, uh, which is not far from my house. And then I picked uh, Dario's, which is really amazing for their burger, their Dario's burger. Honest Abe's in Lincoln because of their burgers. Um, Tired Texan, which is a uh, barbecue place here in Omaha that's very good. Muchachos, which is comparable because they do the New Mexican kind of fusion um, barbecue. I don't know. I just had it last night. It's great. Um, I just want to say when I gave you – I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you. I just want to say when I gave you this list – there was no scenario in my head where muchachos wasn't on your list and or going far. Yes. So here's, so then I had lead belly, which is um, one of my favorite places for, um, they have one of my favorite salads, but they have a ton of really good food. Their um, mac and cheeses are good. The burgers are good. And then block 16, which block 16 is like the holy, like the pinnacle of all food places for me. So long story short, Block 16 ultimately won, but how I got there was I picked Saddle Creek Breakfast Club over Early Bird. The reason why is because uh, Early Bird is great, but they do follow a little bit more traditional um, as far. Well, I shouldn't say that. If you just look at their Instagram, it's kind of wild. But I do feel like Saddle Creek Breakfast Club is a little bit more out of the box. So that's why I gave them the win. I did take Honest Abe's over Dario's only because Honest Abe's, you can get a variety of burgers whereas dario's like the thing i go there for is really in for me personally is their burger so i I went with the more extensive list um i picked muchachos over tired texan because i'm just like a muchacho stan and then block 16 over lead belly and then ultimately it came down to um honest aves over saddle creek breakfast club which that was kind of tough i could have gone either way on that one uh, block 16 over Muchachos and then Block 16 winning it all. And I forgot, I should have said another honorable mention if I was going to do my first four out would have been Bearton, which is a, a bar and restaurant in Benson. Has incredible, um, has a really good Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Um, and then their burgers are really good. But long story short, 
making all of this, one, I had two thoughts. First being, I'm so thankful we have so many amazing places in both Omaha and Lincoln. And the cool thing about Lincoln restaurants is a lot of them are delivering to Omaha right now, which is incredible. But the second is, is it made me feel like I do not want to lose any of these places. So um, I'm just like, how do I keep pouring more of my money into what they're doing? Because that's the like scary part of right now. And I know we can talk about this after you get through your list, but it's like, I wouldn't want to lose a single one on this list. And I know that, that this list goes on and on. Cause like you said, I think I could probably come up with 64 restaurants between Omaha and Lincoln and even in surrounding communities that would be like terrible for us to lose. But that's the scary part about this time right now is like, you just don't want people to, I don't know, lose out on their business. And then for us lose out on really, really great food and people. So yeah, now well, I have I'm to sure order you like make... 16 restaurant, like 16 din- dinners from various restaurants. <laughs> I'm sure you could make a 64 team bracket and I don't think it would a- team restaurant bracket. And I don't think it would take you very long to do it. One and two. Yeah, that I mean, that was the reason that I actually was thinking about this. There's a a, um, a Chinese restaurant called Zhang's in Lincoln that we go to. And it was just one location it's just a couple minutes from my apartment and they were actually in the process of opening a second location mm. out in South East Lincoln, I think. And it opened like a week after, or it was scheduled to open like a week after all of this stuff started happening. And I think that that opening is now on the back burner and I don't want to lose that place. We, um, when we lived in Norman, we, there was this restaurant called Tea Cafe, and it was, I kid you not, the best chicken fried rice I had ever had in my life to that point. And it was it was like that medium in between where you don't want to go to, for example, here, Hero 88. You're not at that level yet, but you don't want to do Panda Express. You want like a good in-between. And Tea Cafe was that fantastic in-between. And we were looking for that and looking for that and looking for that. And finally found Zhang's like just a couple months ago. And it's so good. And it's so good. And I don't want to lose them. So my whole thought process in this was take out delivery, keep supporting local restaurants because there are a lot of good ones. And when I was kind of going through and trying to figure out who I would put on an, on an eight-team bracket or an eight-restaurant bracket... I was like, man, this is a little difficult. And I've only lived here for two and a half years. And by no means have I experienced all of these places. So this was uh, this was interesting. I have Laszlo's on mine. And you did not mention I thought Laszlo's. about Laszlo's. Some of that you put Laszlo's on yours. Okay, so I'll just roll through my eight. I ha- okay. I, because I don't have them seated, we can talk about this after the fact. Uh, I have Laszlo's. I have Lead Belly, same as you. I have Honest Abe's, same as you. I have Misty's, I have Fat Jack's Barbecue, I have Blue Sushi Sake Grill. Mm. Blue, Blue was on like an outside, like was on like the cusp for me as well. And I have the Watering Hole. And then oh, yeah. in, the eighth, watering hole. in the eighth spot, I have Hero 88, like a combination of like, I couldn't decide. Hero 88, Jang's, Blue Orchid, and The Oven. And the reason I did this is because... I've never been to Blue Orchid and I've never been to the oven, 
I'm not, I'm not a big Mediterranean food person, but everybody keeps telling me you have to go to both of those places. So well, they're in my Indian uh, restaurants. The oven is Indian food, right? Well, now I guess I don't know. Somebody told me it was Mediterranean and now I'm questioning everything. But the thing that, uh, so our editor, Brandon Vogel, sent me a Slack. And I think you might have been on it too. Northern Aaron. Indian cuisine. Okay. okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll go try it. But I haven't tried it yet. Brandon sent me a, a Slack message that was a picture of of a frozen uh, personal pizza that he got from Aldi's. That was Gino's <laughs> East Pizza from Chicago. And... Mm-hmm. Immediately, I thought, okay, this is at all Aldi's everywhere. And I got so excited. It is not. I really want you pizza. You didn't find it? There are no good pizza places here. That's, that's probably going to make some people angry. But there are no yeah. good pizza places here. Well, because you like a very specific type of pizza. Because, like, I would I would argue um, uh, Lazari's. Um, I'm a huge Lazari's fan, but I mean, it's not the same as what y- you're looking for there. Uh, Lazari's is like a, probably closer to like, I just, I assume I'm saying it like correctly. If I say it's like a New York style type of pizza, like the slices are huge. Um, you, they have like their set menu, but you can also order, um, what like you can create your own, which is always what I've done, but I'm a huge Lazari's fan. So I mean, is it thin crust? Yes. Well, I mean, okay. it's not like thin, but yeah, it's not it's not a deep dish pizza. Thin crust pizza is dumpster food. I just uh, want to get that take no. out there. No. Yes, thin crust pizza no. is terrible. Deep dish is the way to go. Chicago style is Yeah, I the was best right. Lazari's is like a New York style pizza. So That's right. Yeah, thin crust pizza is dumpster food, and I will argue with any person that says otherwise. You are just going to make so many enemies from this. Because, and it's funny because when I was younger, I hated crust on pizza. I would eat up until the crust at the end. And so my family always just bought like the thin crust frozen pizzas from like the DiGiorno aisle. Or actually, my dad loved Red Baron. So that was what we always had. And they were always thin crust. And then uh, as I got older, I started venturing into deep dish and then we went to chicago for the first time and i had gino's east for the first time and i was enlightened my world was opened and i will never go back to thin crust there the it's a cornmeal crust and it's the greatest thing ever i mean you, you just can't you beat can... the crust mm-hmm. do you like stuffed crust pizza no obviously i love stuffed crust pizza oh. so how do you feel about the barbecue scene just in, in Nebraska in general? Lincoln, Omaha. How do you feel about the barbecue scene? Because Fat Jack's is far and away the best one that I've been to. Uh, you need to go to Tiger Texan. I still haven't found a barbecue place that holds a candle to barbecue that I had when I was home. Um, I think it just depends. I, I would say I've had this conversation with, I've, and I've heard this conversation. I, I know um, Sarah Baker Hansen, who has done food reviews for a long time, sort of had been looking for that like really, really solid barbecue place in Nebraska. And Tired Texan honestly changed the game as far as um, 
as far as I like, I remember when they opened, it was sort of just like a game changer. Like they're incredible. Now I will say there is another barbecue place. that's not far from where I live called Heartland barbecue. And it's a small, small business. Another one where I, I'm, I hope that they survive what's happening right now. Um, but I really like their barbecue as well. I would still say tired Texan kind of beats, you know, beats everyone far and away, but like, Heartland barbecue is very good. It's just hard because like there are some where it's like, I know some people like hog wild. Um, and it just kind of depends on preference, but I like, I'm a tired Texan Stan through and through. But, um, I think you, I think you have to try it. I think when people do try tired Texan, they're like, Oh wow. Like this is fantastic barbecue. Like they're the kind of place where they are so well known now for the types well for their food that you have to call well when you call to order like if you don't want to go eat there if you're going to take it for takeout which is honestly all we've ever done we've never actually like eaten at the restaurant um when you call they could be out of something at that point like you just kind of know that like they could be you kind of have to just play it, play it smart. Cause if you wait too long in the evening, they may not have what you want anymore. Um, but like they'll do like specials, like their dino ribs, which are just stupid, insane. Like they're huge. But yeah. Um, I mean, I think the barbecue scene could be more significant in Nebraska, but I think there's some really strong contenders. And I'd say, like I said, I think tire Texan leads the way far and above. I have not had anything as good as them in Nebraska. Now, one of the Kansas city has some good barbecue, but yes, one of these totally seasons, <laughs> Nebraska is going to have a bye week that falls on OU Texas weekend. And I'm going to convince all of you no, guys. Nebraska literally plays at Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, but I'm talking about going to the cotton bowl in Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. It's like one of these, it's my hope, my hope. One of these seasons there's going to be a bye week that falls on OU Texas weekend. And I'm going to be able to get you guys. We're not going to go to the game, but we're going to go to the the, the fair, the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. And I just want you guys to experience some of that. And it'll be great. Uh, You're trying I to get us a podcast. anybody who like, knows good barbecue would be Brandon. I trust him over... So I'm sure... Like, I'm sure... He would be very, I'd be very interested in his opinion. Um, and he'd probably really enjoy that. I will say this. I, I'm, I'm, not partial, I'm not partial to any barbecue place here in the state of Nebraska. My heart you is not out to any barbecue place in the state of Nebraska. So if there is a barbecue place that's listening to this podcast right now, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you want to sponsor this podcast, I'll say you're the best barbecue place in the state of Nebraska. So I will extend that offer to anybody. I still think that you should try Tire Texan. Now, it's going to be a little bit harder considering you're, we're not supposed to be traveling for non-essential reasons right now um, because that would require you to basically come to Omaha. They're on the interstate, actually very close to the Omaha office of our sister companies, B2I and Herdat. Like, literally very, like, I'm talking, like, five minutes. Um, we'll so, we'll put day. it on the, like, the... Not the bucket list, but the list of things that we're going to do whenever this ends. Like, I feel like everybody is developing this list of the top 10 things that you're going to do 
whenever you're allowed to travel, whenever you're allowed to, to have large gatherings again, whenever quarantine is done, I feel like people are starting to create a list of things that they miss. We'll put we'll put visit tired Texan on that list of top ten things. My wife and I will go drive to Omaha. That'll be fun. We'll see my grandparents and make a trip out of it. Perfect. Are you starting to? We're starting. I say that we're starting to develop a list. Are you starting to develop a list of things you're like, man? We're gonna do this whenever it ends. Yeah, I think a little bit in my head. Um, I. And I'm sure a lot of people are feeling this way. Like I would say right now, because it doesn't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard to kind of like imagine when these things will happen. I think it's, it, I think what's hard for right now is that I've had a lot of things canceled. So um, like this weekend, I was actually supposed to be in California um, for, I don't really want to call it like a bachelorette party. Cause that's not really how I was viewing it. It was just more of like a trip with, um, some of my close friends, which I was really looking forward to. Nothing like crazy. Like we're talking like supposed to have gone to like the Britney Spears experience, like fun, just like fun, silly stuff um, that I was really looking forward to. Um, and then obviously we had to postpone our wedding. And, um, but then I think about like the things like the week of our wedding, Kesha, was supposed to be at Stir Cove with Big Frida and that's been postponed. I was supposed to go to another concert this summer with my mom and that's been postponed. And so like for me, it's like I've had so many things that I had been looking forward to in the next few months just straight up like canceled or postponed that it kind of just like I haven't really started to make this like list of like, but I will say I miss a lot of things. Like we have taken our dogs and I have people are going to laugh when they hear this. I have to spell it because they're literally laying right next to me. And if they hear the word, they're going to freak out. <laughs> but we have to take every time we take our dogs on a W A O K. Um, we walk like we walk to like the neighborhoods that are near us, which for us is either Dundee or Benson. And we walk by these, these, you know, bays of restaurants and shops and, um, a lot of them have signs that are like, stay safe, be back soon. And like, you just kind of look inside and see emptiness. And it just makes you feel like I, you know, just not long ago was in these places and experiencing these places. And I think the harder part is like, I can't really open my camera roll right now because if I go back too far, just even a month ago, it's so weird to see the stuff that was on my phone and just like the life that, I was living and we were living before this really completely just shifted. So I think for me, like I'm with you, I will start to have that list of things that the day it comes where it's like, yes, free for all party, let's go. Um, I will have like so many things I want to do. And I think like one of the very first ones is I'm going to like drive to all of my friends' houses and just like hug them because I feel like it's so weird that we can't do that right now. But it's just weird. I, and I know I'm not alone in that. I know a lot of people feel kind of like hopeless and I don't know if I feel hopeless, but I definitely feel just very bogged down. And so I think it'll, I'm glad that you're making a list because I'm looking forward to like the point where I start to have that formulating in my head because that it, for some reason hearing that you're doing that, it kind of gives you like hope that like there is a light at the end of this tunnel, even if we can't see it right now. <laughs> That was a very thoughtful and emotional 
response to that when I know, my I'm brain... sorry, this is not this no, podcast. No, no, it's fine. It, I just think it's it's funny, the, the juxtaposition, because when I was asking that question, my brain was thinking bar NBA playoffs and the, um, the pit bowl. Like, it was like 2010, whatever the the um timber version of they oh, they gosh, did a yeah the, do you know what i'm talking that, about they did the the timber version with kesha and pitbull but yep. they turned it into an nba playoffs uh promo i'm thinking of that playing over an nba playoffs game or i guess at the beginning of an nba playoffs game and sitting in a bar with a bunch of people around that's that's what my brain was thinking and then yeah. you're talking about seeing like be safe, come back soon, signs at empty dog parks. I'm like, oh man, this took a yeah, turn. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think like I, you, you take things for granted, like just like simple things. And um, I've kind of, I hate like chain things. Like I hate them um, where it's, and I participated in some of them. So I like hate myself for it. Um, but like some of the ones where it's like, hey, everyone, copy and paste this into your Facebook status and ask your significant other to answer these questions. Like, I get it, we're all bored, but some of these I'm just like, oh my God. Um, But like I said, I've participated in some of them, so I'm also like equally hating on myself. Um, But the one I've seen- I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I also hate the chain things happening on Instagram right now because- Oh, but I'm totally buying into them. Like I've done the like, I'm making them for Halo Varsity, which people are enjoying the heck out of. I had filled plenty of them out. I guess you're talking probably about the like see 10 pushups and do 10 pushups and not the like explain yourself in gifts in regards to this. We have not done the like challenges, which I have no intention of us doing unless I'm I just get not, them enough. I'm not looking on Instagram much, but I got caught in that until tomorrow thing. Both oh. my mom and my brother did it. And I was like, these are terrible photos. Why would you share these and like them and then realize the the trap that I had fallen into and immediately regretted every decision that I'd ever made. So for the uh, record, after, I after did that, like I stayed somebody's, off Instagram. Yeah, I did like somebody's photo that did that. It was a Casey Rogers, in fact. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't tell me anything about it. I had to look it up. I was like, why is everyone doing this? But I had already liked his photo. And so I'm like, oh, he, send, he never sent anything. So shout out to Casey for not requiring me to do anything like that. So did you never did you never post an embarrassing photo? No, because he never like they're supposed to like message you and tell you like what it is, and he never did. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna Twitter, I'm gonna Twitter shame you into it. I'm gonna Twitter no. shame you into it. So just no. be prepared for that. Um, no, I was gonna say though. I think no, I don't remember what I was gonna say anymore. Although I'm just watching. Why is there snow on the ground? Sorry, I just like looked outside and remembered that it's April third and there's now snow on the ground again. Yeah, it's dumb. This <sighs> is the most uh, my favorite murder podcast intro that I think I've ever done. What? It my is, wife's so favorite thing about me. that podcast. Yeah, my wife's favorite thing about that podcast is that they go thirty to forty-five minutes in an intro before they even get to what they want to talk about in the podcast. She loves mm-hmm. that. And I had never done that. Oh, it makes for a very entertaining. It did, like, you do have to, like, adjust because, like, there's them could be upwards of two hours. So you have to plan for it. But um, actually, there's a podcast, and I'll, um, it, it's not going to resonate with most of the people listening to this podcast. So I'll spare anyone, like, actually saying it, but I will tell you about it separately so you can tell Alex. Um, 
but there's a podcast I listen to by a woman who basically the entire time is just her riffing on different like topics and it's it takes a, like an adjustment at first because you're like oh wow this is a lot to kind of like adjust to but once you like listen to a couple of episodes it's really easy to get addicted because you're literally just listening to someone's internal thoughts about a variety of topics so it's just like essentially one long random intro but it's very entertaining <laughs> yeah i'm sure well let's talk nebraska now i guess just for the people that are listening because they probably like i appreciate the food conversation and now i have food food places to add to the list or food places to add to like hey we're gonna get takeout from them in the near future so i appreciate that conversation Thanks. uh i have i have no issues with your winner even though Putting Muchachos and Block 16 in a Final Four matchup is kind of like equivalent to Duke-Kentucky playing in the Final Four, but whatever. <laughs> I would have thought that you would have like structured your your bracket so that those two met in, in, a, in a championship, a title match. I but. was going to, but the hard part was, as I, like I said, I decided to do the thing where I'm like trying to, comp- I was trying to like compare like similar restaurants to each other. So it wasn't as random, and that's how it happened. But you originally, I did put Nutrachos against Block 16 in the final two. Yeah. And you didn't rig the bracket, that. and I appreciate that. I didn't, no. So um, the news of this week, and it happened, we're recording this on a Friday morning. This happened on a Thursday night. Um, Aaron, I'll let you share actually the news, and then because I, I have some thoughts on kind of what it means globally. Um, but there, there was women's basketball news Thursday night and Aaron, you helped me out with it. You got the story up. So I'm going to let you like share what the news is. Uh, Leah Brown is the third Nebraska women's basketball player to transfer from the team or say she will be transferring. She's put her name in the transfer portal, which you confirmed and received a statement from Amy Williams on, um, said decision but she was the Huskers leader leading scorer this year um she was the Big Ten sixth player of the year uh, or like one of them um but yeah I mean it's a big loss and I think um I think now losing you've lost both your forwards you've lost a guard um it doesn't put Amy Williams and her group in a great spot for 2020, 2021, depending on what that season even looks like. Um, But yeah, so that was the news that came out yesterday. And based on people's reactions, uh, a lot of disappointment from Husker fans across the board. Uh, That seemed to be the general consensus from the comments I read. Yeah, it sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. It really sucks. I don't know what Amy's going to do to soften the blow uh because it's a pretty big blow if if you hadn't had i mean you said this was the third you ashton verbeek and caleb mershon two forwards they both announced transfers uh i think it was seven seven or eight days ago um and that that hurts uh because mm-hmm. ashton was going to be a starter she was a starter she started in 29 of 30 games last year uh and she was really kind of the next good big that Nebraska was going to have. This is going to be Kate Kane's final season, and Ashton was going to probably move to center whenever Kate left. Uh, she gives them so much versatility as a big, and a lot of what she did was work pick and roll, pick and pop stuff with Sam Hybe and Leah Brown. And to lose, to lose both Kayla and 
Ashton at the same time really hurts your depth in the front court. And so kind of what I was thinking then was that, okay, Nebraska can just sort of move to a small ball way of playing, um, which is what Amy Williams did in 2017. She asked Maddie Simon to be that kind of stretch four. And I thought, well, maybe we could see a similar move with Taylor Kissinger and have her play the stretch four position. And then Leah Brown is is your three. And then you start Sam Hybe and, and maybe someone... Um, maybe a, a younger guard off the bench um, that that played this year and got experience this year. But now without Leah Brown, now I mean, now you're you're really, really reliant on Sam Hybe being comfortable handling the ball as much as she's going to have to handle the ball. Um, her developing a, a consistent three-point shot. We saw it a little bit this, this past season, but she's going to have to develop a consistent three-point shot and you're going to need Taylor Kissinger to be healthy for an entire season. She's now an essential piece of, of that starting group. And she hasn't really been an essential piece of a starting lineup before. She's been a key component in a rotation, but she hasn't been like somebody that Nebraska's had to rely on. She's been she's been a, a shooter that is really kind of what you get from her is extra. And like Nebraska was was hoping that this past season was going to be sort of a, a breakthrough season for them after yeah. a, a losing record in the 2018 campaign. And it started off with so much promise. They started 13-2, and two, and then they just kind of faltered down the stretch. But, you know, you could see Sam was going to be a junior next year. Leah was going to be a junior next year. Ashton was going to be a junior. Kate Kane is already the, the not just women-specific, but program leader all-time at Nebraska in block shots, and she was going to be in her senior season. And you were looking at a, a team that had a lot of pieces to continue to build off of um, that that 2018 season where they lost so many close games. Now, you know, okay, what is Trinity Brady as a sophomore? What is she going to be able to do? And she's mm-hmm. kind of she kind of now becomes important. So yeah, it kind of just feels like, and this is me probably projecting to a certain degree and you could probably speak to it a little bit better, but it just kind of feels like Nebraska women's basketball is right back in the same place they've been in kind of before every season in recent years where it's just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of like, like you said, I think this last year was kind of expected to be that breakthrough year, but now you're right back into the uncertainty of what are you even going to have? And that just feels like it has been the story, unfortunately, of, both men's and women's basketball for a period of time. And I think not being able to just have a year where you're like, yep, we're returning all of these great people and they're going to be doing all this stuff. And like, we don't have to completely reinvent the wheel. Well, it kind of sucks that this is now the reality of it. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it speaks to the exact same problem that football is trying to overcome because, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, Leah's, Leah's departure, according to Amy Williams, was she was back home with her family. She's from Auburn, Indiana. She was back home with her family dealing with, you know, the, the, what's happening in our world right now. And she told Amy Thursday that she wanted to find someplace closer to home to continue her career. And that was pretty much the same reasoning given from Kayla Mershon and Ashton Verbeek. Ashton Verbeek is transferring from a starting role in a Big Ten Nebraska program to an NAIA program in Dort in Sioux Center, Iowa. 
and that is an unprecedented kind of move. I don't think that's hyperbolic speak to say that, uh, but she's doing it because the coach at that program coached her in high school, and her mom is coaching high school volleyball 14 minutes away, and I was told, I wrote a story on Ashton, and I was told that Ashton wants to, at some point or another in her career, take over for her mom. So the the, the place that my brain went to, and this is speculation, it's not anything like I'm not, I just hope that everybody is okay with with all this stuff going on and people wanting to go home to be closer to family. I just hope everyone's okay. Um, so Yeah, I do think there's a lot of layers here. I think it's easy to just be like, which is sort of some of the reaction I've seen of like, what's wrong with Amy Williams? What's wrong with this program? What's wrong with this? And like, yeah, there's probably layers to that, that like, you know, will continue to be, um, you know, keep an eye on, but also there's just a level two of, you know, how, how much of this is also be people just wanting to be closer to their families. And if they were on the fence about a decision before that this whole pandemic changed their thoughts on maybe it makes more sense for me to be here versus there. So I, I think it's more nuanced than just like the easy route of like, well, it's just because like there's something wrong with the coaches or this or that. Like there's probably layers to it that could include some of that. But I think it's also a matter of like, there's probably just a lot of moving pieces and a lot going on here. A lot of moving pieces um, with a lot of sports. Winter sports isn't mm-hmm. getting um, those seniors aren't getting waivers to to play. Spring sports are. Got to figure out what's going on with football. I want to talk about football next because um, a, a, as these last few weeks have unfolded, the conversation has really shifted from okay, when is Nebraska going to get its spring practices in to are we going to actually have a football season? And if so, what does that look like? Um, Greg Smith and I talked last week pretty extensively about, you know, we both believe that just from a financial standpoint, I don't think that there's any way we can't, we won't have a football season. And and I've seen a couple of arguments that suggest, well, we thought money was going to, you know, prevent the NCAA from canceling March Madness. And, and that didn't happen. They, they, you know, they were probably not, Fine is not the best word, but they were willing to take that financial hit if it meant public safety. And and there's also the argument that, you know, no sport, no program or team wants to be the one, the first one that somebody on the team gets sick or um, even ends up in the hospital because, you know, they didn't want to cancel football. But at the same time, I mean, we're talking about, you know, athletic departments around the country that I think would would fold if we don't, if you didn't have football revenue, I mean, like I know, like Rutgers, for example, is a is a Power Five conference football team, um, not in you know reputation, but at least in standing. And their athletic department, you know, I was reading a, a report before the beginning of the 2019 season that their athletic department was potentially in a spot where they might have to like shut down the football program because they're not making enough money. So if you suddenly cut off that revenue stream. You know, it gets yeah. really interesting what universities are going to do. But the thing, Aaron, I want to talk to you about is let's just assume. Well, I just want to say really quick, I think people need to also understand it's even goes beyond just like program shuttering, but like actual schools closing. Uh, we've already seen mm-hmm. some Division three programs or schools. I shouldn't just say programs, but some Division three universities who have decided that they will close their doors at the end of the semester because they just don't see a way for this to work any longer. And these are schools that have been in existence since the 1800s 
And were they probably, were they not probably, were they having financial issue and concerns prior to this? Yes. But this unfortunately has expedited their timeline into believing this is what has to happen now. Yeah. Um, there, there was a, a stadium report from uh, Brett McMurphy and I th- this was either Friday morning or, or Thursday evening. Um, <laughs> I told you this was going to happen and it just happened. We, we adopted a cat recently and the cat is very fascinated by my microphone on my desk mm. and <laughs> she's like rubbing her face all on the microphone. So if you're hearing that, I apologize. Let me put her down. There was a stadium report from Brett McMurphy uh, in which they they polled uh, it was like 110 some FBS athletic directors, um, and apparently a nine game regular season is potentially uh, a thought right now, um, or splitting the season up into parts where like you're playing some of the season in the fall, and then you're playing, you know. The, the college football playoff and the title game in May or June, which would be wild. Yeah. But then I how guess, do you have a 2021 season? <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, in terms of scheduling, we're talking about, you know, potentially messing up schedules for the next you're year talking, yeah, you, you're two years. You're messing schedule up for a long time. Yeah. Um, wh- I guess, what do you think about what do you think is the the best course of action to take right now? Maybe not best course, but like, what do you, what do you see happening? I mean, do you see actually football getting shut down and not being played, or do you see maybe a, a shortened regular season? Well, I mean, I think the reality is something is better than nothing, especially when we talk about this the needing the need for the financial the financial windfall of football football really controls everything at, at all levels uh nebraska is very it was one of the very few schools where it has a women's sport that is pulling a revenue right now and that's or pulling profit right now and that's what the volleyball team now volleyball is not able to currently carry the loss of all of the other sports so there's there's that whole piece of football is basically paying for everything else. And so, yeah, when you have Bill Moose and every other AD on the planet, who's going like, yeah, we got to figure this out. They're not just doing it from a, like a selfish point of view of like, well, we want to have this thing happen. It's really from a point of view of like, we, we need, we're not in a position to not have it happen. Um, I think at this point, I think you have to take things one day at a time. And so I, as this, as we progress over the next couple of months, I think we will start to have a clearer picture of, do you have to cancel non-conference? Now for Nebraska, that means things tricky because the first game is against Purdue, but you could always bump that back um, if there's a way to make that work. Um, but if hypothetically in a perfect world, or if you can make it work across the board and you can eliminate the non-conference schedule for the most part, you could then start your season October 1st. Um, you do then take what is typically, you do take then a 12 game schedule and make it nine or are some still doing four. So would it be eight for some, but regardless, um, I can never remember how similar or different every conference is. And I'm just remembering that I don't think they're all that similar. 
Um, yeah, the SEC and the ACC play four, four. non-conference yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. No, my brain for a moment was like just suddenly remembered that whole argument that the SEC doesn't play nine and whatever. That's a totally different argument. But it's, so in a perfect world, if you could move your non, if you could eliminate the non-conference piece, um, it would buy you time. I. I'm kind of of the belief at this point until we have more um, information and kind of see how things are progressing. Um, not overly hopeful at times, but like, I do think something is better than nothing and a condensed season is better than a nothing season and essential games. Like if you could like say essential in the sense of like the, your conference matchups that helps to a degree, I think, I no matter what happens, it's not going to be played in front of fans. Um, fans should just plan on not being in any arena or stadium this fall and potentially into winter. But if there's one thing that like, there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not the United States is handling this whole thing well or not. And I don't want to get into the whole thing because it becomes political no matter what, like even if it's not political, people jump into the politics of it all and so I'm not interested in that. Regardless of if the United States is handling it well or not, the thing that will have to happen to be able to successfully have any kind of season is better testing. You'd have to be able to test every single person that's going to be in that space or be able to like, are you going to be taking their temperatures when they walk in the door? How are you going to ensure safety? Because even if you cap it, say 250 people max in that space, so you could realistically have the travel roster for both teams in one spot, you're still asking a team to travel. You're still asking a team to go up against people that they don't know. They haven't quarantined with. Um, they haven't controlled that locker room, that space where those people are going. So you would have to like be able to control all that, just like every other, the NBA is having this discussion, MLB is having, everyone's having the same discussion. If they can figure that out and they can make it safe, there will be something that happens. If they can't, then that's where you start to ask, like, does it get pushed to spring? I think that that becomes a little bit more dicey because of two things. One, what happened to the 2021 season. But two, for the kids who graduate in December, so all those seniors who are set to graduate in December, are they now forced to become graduate students to play in the spring? Or do you just go, it's fine. You guys just basically are here to work out and play. I bet there would have to be some kind of waiver. That- You'd have to. The spring, starting it in the spring might actually be maybe the route that athletic directors maybe would be most down for. Because if you start football in the, in the spring, like the actual season, not spring football, if you start it in the spring, then you're potentially in a situation where you could have fans at those games. If you start, if you started the season in October or November and you played either a condensed season or you just started it later... I don't think we'll be at a point in October or November where fans could be in stadiums. And also, you know, the the thing that people aren't talking about, I, I saw Dr. Fauci make the comment that this is probably going to crop back up once we hit get into the fall and follow more of the traditional flu season patterns. Um, if you started it in the spring, then you potentially have fans in the stands. And then you and maybe not maybe. sell out, maybe not full capacity or, or even close to it, 
But some fans are better than no fans, and you can start to recruit some of that money you lost. If you just cancel the non-conference portion of the schedule, then you have teams playing an un, a, a disproportionate amount of games, which would make determining like the college football playoff difficult. You'd also you'd also have to figure out, and this would be a logistical nightmare, what to do with those contracts and payouts, and what to do with that stuff, and how to adjust it going into future years because i mean you agreed to play those games would would they just get would you just kick the can down the road a little bit and have the discussion later would you agree to play those games at a later date would that then mess up your your later schedule because remind me i'm blanking on the exact year but nebraska's non-conference schedule and for that matter schedule is full through like the next what five seasons yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely then getting into like who, what kind of like financial relief for the programs that are now not going to travel and not going to be facing, either not going to be in the matchup that they thought to get the money that they needed. There's definitely that layer to it, which honestly goes to show there's not going to be a perfect solution. Unless like, there was some miracle of miracles where the season was able to kick off on time. And in the next month, somehow like spring football is it or spring football, excuse me, summer conditioning is able to start on time and fall camp is able to start on time. And the season starts on time and there's no restrictions outside of maybe limiting fans. There's going to be a solution that is going to ultimately hurt or harm someone. It's not going to be perfect. And it's going to result, again, in the loss of some programs. It's going to result in the potential loss of some schools. Um, that's the reality that we are at right here. I know there's a lot of doomsday uh, conversations out there. And I've not quite hit the doomsday level yet. But I do think it's going to shift sports and how we handle them for the foreseeable future, if not forever. Like, I, I was saying this these two events are not relatable, but I do want to use this one piece of it to relate. After September 11th happened in 2001, you could no longer... So September 10th, you were able to walk through an airport however you wanted. You could go to the gate with your loved ones. You would hug them before they walked onto the plane. There was really like no rules, if you will. Like you weren't taking your shoes off and removing your laptop. You were just kind of it was to a degree of free-for-all and September 11 completely changed how we travel it changed the way you go through security it changed how people can join you or not join you to a gate obviously now it changed things forever and have we evolved what we did right afterwards sure but it still forever changed how we travel and it also, when you think of like how it evolved into how security functions now for a lot of major events, a lot of that is happening because of other things. Like you think of mass shootings now require us to go through metal detectors to get into a basketball game or to wear a clear bag if you want to walk in there or have no bag at all. Um, things that happen change how we do things. This is going to change how we do things, no matter what. I'm not saying suddenly spring is going to become the football season, but
But there are so many layers here that we are focused on football first and foremost because of the financial windfall of it. But you're talking about soccer, volleyball, basketball. If you can't play a football season, if you can't get football started, then you're starting to have a conversation of can basketball even tip off normally? Um, You're having to have conversations about uh, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. Like this is going to become so much more than just do we get a college football season? So the reality for me is, is everybody is going to do their best to try to make something happen because something is better than nothing. And there will have to just be grace shown through it and the ability to understand it's not going to be perfect for everyone. It's going to ultimately, it's going to ultimately harm or tick somebody off. It's just what, what is the extent of it? What does that look like when it's all said and done? So I guess we can um, kind of wrap it up here on this note. There was, so back to the Sorry, the I'm like, that report. was like the most like real way of putting that. And I'm sure somebody's going to be like so mad that I'm like. <laughs> no, this is a good discussion. I don't have any. No, yeah. Um, the, the stadium report for Brett McBurphy. So there are a couple of options in there. One of them we already covered starting football in the spring. There, there's a quote that I want to read from this from a, a Power 5 athletic director. It's not named. It just says Power 5 athletic director. Um, would, would that be the preferred situation? Absolutely not. But the lights have to be kept on somehow. And I think that one is really telling. The other one that I want to read is from another Power 5 athletic director. I think being open to a non-traditional season is a must for athletic departments to survive. Um, the That piece ends with an athletic director saying, like, you have to put competitive advantages aside and look at the big picture, but I'm not sure people will. Um, this is going to be a, a very, very interesting thing that's going to constantly be changing and constantly evolving because trying to make plans right now is so difficult because you have just an ever moving target that you're trying to hit. And it's like whipping around at lightning quick speeds. Um, another option that was in here that's, that's really interesting is universities could determine that students are not allowed back on campus in the fall and they must take online classes Mm-hmm. But those universities make an exception for student athletes to return to campus to compete in athletics, and they would just get um, approval from the, you know, the the right health organizations and, and safety departments, and they would get tested regularly. That would be insane. I don't know that there are many university presidents around the country that would say, "Yep, we'll allow." Um, student athletes back on campus when we're not allowing anybody else back on campus. But I guess. Um, there was an AD that's quoted in this piece that said, we've actually had discussions about this possibility. So, um, things are going to get crazy. I think things are going to get, um, a little wacky. Um, but you know, with this being literally changing by the hour, I think we could be in for anything. Yeah. And I think that's going to just have to be the reality of our lives is just, rolling with the punches and being willing to kind of take things one day at a time, which is hard because especially for, you know, for us being sports reporters with no sports to cover, like that changes things. And like, I know, I know like there's so many people who are worried about like, what are their jobs look like? What does life look like for them? And I, I feel very bad for the people who've already been, um, let go or been furloughed or 
are facing the real possibility of that happening. And I think, I think for myself, it's just, you know, the thing that sports has always done for us is provide a distraction. And right now we don't have that. So I can say at least with what we are trying to do at Hill varsity, and this isn't a shameless plug, but it's going to sound like one, but I just more mean like if people wonder like the approach of how we're handling this right now, it's to be an informant, but also continue to provide that distraction to the best of our ability, understanding that we don't know what's going to happen just as much as other people don't know. And so I think the best thing that anyone can do right now when it comes to, will I have football in the fall? Will I have volleyball or whatever else is just to kind of go with it and know that when it's all said and done, the people who make the decision will not be making a decision out of a place of mean spiritness, evil, it's going to be out of a place to try to come to the best decision, best agreement for all. But I just know at the same time, it's probably going to still ultimately result in a, I don't know, just not being exactly what everyone wants. And that's what's going to be tough. But I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to think about at times, like what does life look like? It's, something doesn't come back, but I'm just glad that there are people having the discussions of how do we kind of make it work? And if nothing else, I guess when it's all said and done, we'll have really interesting stories to pass along in 30 years when people ask about 2020. <laughs> yep. It's been a fun year. The power brokers in college football are trying to find the, well, I shouldn't say college football in athletics, collegiate athletics and professional athletics alike are trying to find the best bad situation to to roll with um but in the yes. in the meantime we can we can uh talk about restaurants and to, uh, field spirits up options if people haven't uh checked that out um that's been actually like really fun to watch the opinions on uh put it on instagram stories too and people have been voting and there's definitely a very clear winner there but like watching like people's opinions from Instagram stories, Facebook or Twitter are also very different. So, I mean, those are the things where it's like, would it be, would we rather be talking about the quarterback competition and whether or not Luke McCaffrey is actually making a case for Adrian Martinez's job? Sure. But if we can't, we might as well have a little fun with it. So people who won, who was winning the, or not who, but which field design was winning on Instagram? Now I'm curious. It is the uh, N with the Husker script on top and the script logos over a black end zone. So not the all black one. So so the consensus that I got from people is that they liked that one. They just didn't like the black paint in the end zone, which is fine. The end zone was like part of when I was making those, I didn't have Nebraska's typeface that they use. And so I didn't want to just put random lettering in the end zone. So I was sort of um, restricted in what I could put in the end zone and what I couldn't put in the end zone. So if you don't like the black paint there, that's fine. You can switch it up with whatever you want. Basically. My favorite was the, the one that has the, the old school, like the 1960s Nebraska NU helmet. 
I liked that, that one, and I liked. That's the... actually been surprisingly less popular on Instagram than I thought it would be. Herbie's been pretty popular, which I think we so, could have predicted that. <laughs> Herbie has been. It, it's been very entertaining to watch my mentions because that one tweet where I just said "What if" and and posted a picture of Herbie at midfield, because in a span of fifteen seconds. I'll get two people responding and one of them will say, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. Yes, please make this happen. Some some variation of that. And then the other person will say, why the hell have you put this on my timeline? No. And it's it's so entertaining to see how polarizing putting Herbie Oscar at oh. midfield is for Nebraska fans. It's great. I will say too, it's also been really fun to see people respond to us on whatever platform they're looking at it on. And going like, well, I like the midfield on this one, but I'd like these as the end zones. Is that cool? Can we do that? And it's just funny. Like, I mean, like I said, we all need sometimes just a little bit of a distraction. So it's been kind of fun to see the uh, the reaction to it. And thankfully, no one has gotten themselves too fired up about it negatively. It's mostly just been like, oh, I like tradition or not. <laughs> well, that's good. Aaron, you've got work to do, so go order Block 16 for lunch, and uh, I'll let you get get to what you got to do. Thank you for joining the podcast. It was a fun conversation. Of course. We will chat soon about other random topics. <laughs> yes. Read Hill Varsity throughout the weekend. Read Hill Varsity always, but uh, especially throughout the weekend, and we will be back next week with another podcast. Thanks, guys.